You haven't seen this movie. Should have seen this movie. Why haven't you seen this movie? Watch it with me right now. Watch it with me right now. Welcome to a new episode of This is Important to Me. Sam and Taylor, we're back. We're so sorry. We took a little bit of a hiatus, uh, but we're here. <laughs> it's been a minute, man. It's been, I think, over a month. Our last two episodes were Stars Born and John Wick, which I think we both killed. Those, I think we were finding our groove before we took our little hiatus. Yeah, we were. We were in a good rhythm. So we're sorry if this one feels a little off. It's been a very stressful last month uh, in the end of May, beginning of June, obviously, when the protests were first starting and there was a lot happening uh, on social media, I felt like it maybe wasn't the time for us to be putting out podcasts. Um, and then also a lot of other things happened, what with the pandemic and, you know, certain family things that I was dealing with and just a lot was going on. Uh, to everyone who was texting and messaging us that they thought we broke up, we're very sorry. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> That's their own problem. <laughs> it's weird. We would have never worked together if it hadn't been for the pandemic. And now if we don't put something out that we started, people are like, must have broken up. Yeah, well, you know what? When we put this out at first, we went with two episodes a week to build kind of a library because some people, I think, started with only movies that they had seen and mm -hmm. then I would hope would go to other movies. Mm -hmm. and move So we went to a week and then we were a little burnt out, uh, even though we're not doing stand-up. So mm -hmm. we're back and we're going to, you know, we'd been watching other movies. Sometimes you got to do other stuff, it's, it, you know. We watched some documentaries. Yeah, we were... Uh, we were... For a couple weeks there, I was very much like, we have to watch every documentary and learn as much as we can and be better allies. And I bought all these books and like just really in it every day. Um, and I think when we watched this, uh, which was a little, a little bit ago now, um, we were coming off of like a week of the James Baldwin documentary and LA 92 and 13th and, and all these really powerful documentaries um, that if you haven't seen, everyone should watch. I am um, not your Negro is a James uh, mm -hmm. Baldwin one. That one is on Amazon. I believe the other two are on Netflix. Yeah. 13th and LA 92 are both on Netflix. We went to a couple protests, went to a couple protests and uh, you know, just, just trying to be quiet and learn for a minute and we were also not sure w when we did start doing podcasts again, what we were going to talk about we, for a minute. We were like, maybe we should talk about all the documentaries we watched. And then I was like, yeah, we're like a movie podcast. And, and also we're white. We and got, also we're white. Like, like, what, what are we, we going like, to contribute? You're not listening to us for that. You know, we, we, like our intentions are good, but we know that we're, you know, we're not well enough informed on some of this stuff as white people, as 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 black people are on their podcast. So I think that's mm -hmm. where you should go to obtain that information. Right. Yes, exactly. And that's what we did. We both have other podcasts and, you know, on my other podcast, self helpless, we did uh, a week where we didn't put out an episode. We mm -hmm. just, you know, pointed people towards other podcasts or Instagram accounts or, or projects that, um, you know, we knew which would educate people better than we ever could, even if we were just quoting, uh, quoting people. So, um, we, we decided to do get out because at the end of that week we were just so burnt out and I was very much like having a hard time 
watching things that didn't feel relevant. Like I think we tried to watch like Thor that week. Yeah. And I was like, I just can't. Like right. I just can't right now. This just doesn't. And so Get Out was. Yeah, you a were like great... Thor, more like Snore. <laughs> she said that. <laughs> I did. I. That's how I talk at home. And uh, I forget, maybe we we're just looking on Amazon. We saw Get Out and we're like, oh, let's absolutely watch Get Out because we get to feel like we're still uh, checking our privilege right. as white people, but also enjoying a really good movie. <laughs> That's what, as whites, if you come from a place of privilege, you must at all time uh, check yourself and call yourself out and by watching entertainment for three ninety nine, that's really doing it. that's doing the, that's doing the work no it's a movie we both seen but we both were like this is a great movie uh neither of us are horror buffs neither of us are you just don't really like it i don't love the feeling of being scared mm, i don't but you love... are scared <laughs> horror movies freak you out Sometimes I don't love if I'm going to be scared, there needs to be substance. I, I'm not a fan of the torture porn genre of mm. just, you know, stabbing and for like no point, someone just getting stabbed repeatedly. I'm not really into that. I mean, there is a point. It's to give hot actresses who can't actually act a job um, every once in a while to just get <coughs> Paris Hilton, <laughs> just get murdered with an axe. Uh, yeah, I don't like it either. I really hate like supernatural stuff with like ghosts and everything. Mm. Like, does that freak you out? I'm curious because I grew up religious. So when I was a kid and I told my parents like, oh, I'm afraid there's a ghost. They're like, it's not a ghost. <laughs> it's a demon <laughs> pretending to be a ghost. That's and what it is. And he's under your bed. So make sure to keep your feet completely above. Yeah. it's That's yeah. literally how they talk to you. <laughs> they're just would like, you, there are you... frightening things in this world that we don't understand. And they are trying to attack you because you're a Christian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't really deal with it. The Jews are a little uh, lower. I mean, they give you anxiety, but it, it's over just nothing. Right. It's over. Like my mom's like, did you take your vitamins? I'm like, that's a Jewish mother horror story right there. <laughs> She's coming at you with a knife, but it's to cut a piece of challah. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not into it, though, really. It, I think horror movies are just there, as you said, to give a role to hot actresses who can't act, mm -hmm. but also they're there because they make so much money because they're fun for, I think, a whole group to go to. Yeah, yeah. They're I mindless they're usually. I read that a lot of them, I think more like slasher films are just cheap to make as well. Mm. And so they make way more money than they deserve to. That's and, fair. But yeah. it's like a big profit. They margin. seem fun to make though. They do seem fun to make. I mean, they all take place at a summer camp, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the most fun to make, usually. Oh, the way they do the behind-the-scenes documentary for Apocalypse Now, I want there to be like a behind-the-scenes documentary for like Friday the 13th or something. <laughs> I remember seeing the first one, I think, when I was a kid. We used to watch all of them. And Kevin Bacon getting like a corkscrew through his neck. I was like, oh my God, Kevin Bacon isn't everything. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I can't handle any of that. I saw it in the theaters with a group of people, and I loved it. I thought it was so good. Yeah. It scared the shit out of me. I mean, I slept with the lights on for a month. And I mean, at home, in hotels, I was five years old again. It scared me so badly. And I want to watch it again so much, but it really freaked me out. I watched part of the second one on a plane because I was like, I'll feel safe on this plane with all these people. And the screen is so tiny. Like, he can't get me. 
That's hilarious. I like that logic. <laughs> Do you ever see that famous Twilight Zone episode on the plane where he keeps seeing something on the wing? No. That freaked me out as a kid. Oh. Only he can see it. Do they show it to you? Or yeah, is yeah. It, oh, what does it look like? Just like, like a, a shadowy like figure? Like a furry figure, yeah. It was oh a famous epi- Twilight Zone episode. It was a good one. Those were cool. I thought the old Twilight Zone episodes. I everyone loves Black Mirror, and for me, it's like hit or it's too hit or miss. So one will be great, mm-hmm. and another. That's the problem with those like one off type shows. But uh, I think Black Mirror is pretty scary. It is on some of those. It is, and then some of them you're like, this is silly. Yeah, I'm never. I, I like the psychological horror movies. That's why I like The Shining or Misery or. Or any of those. I never, I, I, they just felt like cash grabs, some of the other ones. Like, by the time you're at Nightmare on Elm Street 6, you're like, all right, dude, <laughs> we get it. He's scary. Don't go to sleep. Yeah. That's something I really respect about Jordan Peele, who wrote and directed this movie. I was reading an interview with him in preparation for this podcast, and he was saying, like, yeah, of course the studio wanted to do a sequel afterward. It's like the first thing they said because it was hugely successful. And he's like, but I, and I would do it if it felt right, but I don't want to just do a cash grab. And you're like, that's, see, so, so many people, if they had a huge hit like this, would just be like, yeah, sequel, let's go do it. And he's just like, no, I don't need to do that. Like, it's so fucking lame. Like, studios, it's all about money. I, you know, I mean, of course they want a sequel, but of course, it's so, it'd be so hard. It would be, you'd be setting yourself up for failure because the first one was so good and you can't, what, is he just going to meet another white girl and fall for it again? Like what's the, <laughs> what's the, what's the sequel? I know. And the whole family's dead. This time it's a Hispanic family that doesn't accept. They're like, no, we love black people. And he's like, hmm. Let's just, yeah. 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 Let's call everyone out. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what a sequel would look like. I mean, I guess it would probably just star Lil Rel, uh, <laughs> you know improvising at the airport like apparently he improvised so many of his lines he's so funny in this i mean he like steals this movie in a lot of ways he's such a i don't know him well but i used to see him around the comedy scene in new york and he's such a nice dude i actually almost wrote for a show he was on back in the day called friends of the people oh really which was like him josh rabinowitz kevin barnett r.i.p was a great dude and uh a lot of funny comics who were like the lucas brothers they were just like a crew of comics and i remember submitting to write for it and this is how stupid i am i get to the um final round it was a blind read of like a hundred over a hundred scripts i made to like the bottom five Mm -hmm. and the last five got to interview for and they took like one or two probably and i get to the interview and in the interview the guy was like so would you take time off stand up for this and i was like god no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and my agent called me to yell at me afterwards. He was like, yeah, of course they didn't hire you. You lie. Uh, and then you do stand up. I was like, well, I thought I was being, you know, right. honorable. I mean, that whole story, I was going, you submitted to write for a show? I had a manager at the time who was like, you got to do this. And I was like, okay. But I was like, I'm not going to take time off. And like, they're like, well, sometimes we work late. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just leave and do a spot. And they were just like, no. <laughs> sometimes we work late. And it's like, okay, sometimes you work late. And then I I'll remember- go to my job. <laughs> in the room i remember josh and kevin would give me like the the don't do like just lie we want you on the show and and i couldn't get hired on it Jeez, god that's so funny i've never heard you tell that story yeah um this movie was nominated for several oscars it won for best original screenplay Mm -hmm. uh and then it was also nominated for best picture which it lost to shape of water yeah right which neither of us agree with i think i think this was 
the best movie that year. I, yeah. In my opinion, I mean, that the Oscars never gets it right, though. And, and yeah. Shape of Water, to its credit, I know a lot of people just, it, it became like, it's always hip to shit on the movie that wins. Right. But I think that was a pretty incredible achievement just because the premise is so ridiculous. Right. Yeah. I mean, I love Shape of Water, but I agree that incredible. it should not have won over the, this. We've talked about this, but Shape of Water, the sound, the, the score is one of the most insanely beautiful things I've ever heard. It is. It's so beautiful. Although I will say the score for this movie is so creepy and mm. so good. Uh, the original score was created by Michael Abels, who had never worked on a film before, but who specializes in traditional concert music with influences from blues, jazz, and African music. And Jordan Peele found one of his compositions called urban legends on youtube and decided that this guy could terrorize some people in this movie i love that he's yeah. like a real nerd yeah yeah, to, yeah like yeah. to find just to be like to just come like he's just looking through weird music yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome it's so awesome i love that why haven't you seen this movie watch it with me right now Rewatching it i mean i don't think i've seen it since 2017 and it's just, oh my gosh, is it smooth? It just goes mm. by so quickly. By the end of it, I was like, this is a short movie. And it's not. It's like an hour 45. Coming out of it, I was like, is this an hour 10? There's not a bad scene. That's why yeah. I think you... Because like most horror movies or most any movie now, it's like 20 minutes too long. Mm -hmm. Even movies that are like 90 minutes, I'm like, that could have been an hour 15 sometimes. Or maybe just, I'm just like, they had a couple scenes that dragged. Every scene is is good in this. It's it's probably as good a movie in movie theater experience as I can remember. Yeah, me too. Um, where did you see it? I saw it on 84th and Broadway. Uh, Just say in New York. Oh my no, God, I won't. you're here's, the worst. Here's, here's why I'm telling you the exact street. Okay. Because there's a reason. Okay. That theater has reclining chairs. So I saw oh. this movie way too comfortably. <laughs> When he went into the sunken place, did you just slowly go uh, and recline back? <laughs> You're like, this is spooky. This is a scary Look, film. It's hard for me, too. This thing is jerky right here. Uh, yeah, I saw it on the road. Just stuffing goobers in my face while he's... <laughs> I, I was really careful because I wanted to see it, obviously, because I heard it was so good. But I had to let a few friends of mine see it first so they could be like, you can handle it. Because oh I God. I have a really hard time seeing horror movies. Like, I really can't. I can't handle horror movies. And I think I said this when we watched it where I was like, the fact that I can handle this movie and not a lot of horror movies, does that make me racist? <laughs> because no. in other movies, I'm like, this is too much for me. And then this one, I'm like, well... This is fine. <laughs> this doesn't affect <laughs> this me. This is just racism. It's not. <laughs> no. It, here's why you're not racist. And mm -hmm. this is my attempt mm -hmm. to explain. I think it's because this you enjoy this movie not because it's not scary. I think you were scared in certain scenes. I was. Yeah, it's there's some scary parts. It's because for sure. it's so intelligent and so witty and and just a beautifully directed movie and it's it really is funny, and it's it is purposely funny. It's not we're like we're just white people being like this is funny. It is played for laughs in certain yeah. scenes. Yeah, it is. I mean, there is also something to be said though for watching horror movies where you relate to what's happening to the main character. I mean, another example of a horror movie which I didn't see, but I'm like, oh, maybe I did see it. 
either way, I, when I saw it come out, I was like, I could watch that. What? Is Jennifer's Body? Uh, <laughs> Do you remember that movie? Did you see it? Diablo Cody. I didn't see it. Yeah, not a lot of people did. But Diablo Cody it was coming off of Juno. So you're like, we want this to be good. <laughs> and I don't know if it was or not. But it's it's uh, Megan Fox murdering boys. And I'm like, well, I'm not a douchey guy. So I'm fine. <laughs> Wow. Like, I do think, I think... It's the reason I sat that one out. <laughs> there's, like, if you're a kid, like, it is probably scarier to you. Like, I don't know. I I want to play... Is it is it too weird to play a clip in the intro? I don't even think we have to take a break, because we've already seen we've it. We've already seen it. We're not even going to take a break. You know what? We write the rules. We've seen this movie. We're watching it again. We're changing rules. We made the rules. Why can't we break the rules? We're breaking the rules. Uh, there is a great, there's a great um, interview on Colbert with Jordan Peele that I have a couple clips from, to be honest with you. Okay. And uh, one of them is when Colbert asks him, do black audiences and white audiences react the same way to the horror in this movie? It is a funny movie, but it's also a scary movie. Did you, do you, do uh, white audiences and black audiences get frightened by this movie in the same way? Do they experience the horror in the same way? It, uh, no, okay. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, I think black people, you know, it's like the second the, the movie comes up and like the, the protagonist is dating a white girl, they go, oh, he's in trouble. Mm, I don't like where this is going. He's in an interracial relationship. Get out, brother. Um, uh-huh. White audiences go, that's very progressive. <laughs> yeah. That's very progressive. That's cool. Oh, good. That was good. It's not until later in the movie that white people get freaked out because they're like, oh my God, I think I've said that. <laughs> I think I said that thing that the villains are saying in this movie. And so it's a very different thing. And, and it is, you know, the whole, it, it doesn't fit into a genre. You know, it sort of subverts the idea of genre. Mm-hmm. But it is a kind of movie that, like, black people can laugh at, but white people, not so much. <laughs> you laughed a little bit. First off, I love watching white late night hosts interview Jordan Peele or Daniel Kaluuya about this movie because you can tell they're really uncomfortable and really scared of saying the wrong thing. He just said in that clip where he goes, white audiences don't get freaked out until like later on when they're going, oh shit, I've said things like that or I've done things like that. And I think that's why this movie made such an impact. Part of why it made such an impact is because yes, there's the, the heightened horror portion of it, which is, you know, the crazy shit that happens with them abducting people and putting their brains in their bodies and everything. But that stuff is easy to dismiss because you're like, well, that's not real. That's Mm -hmm. basically science fiction, but feeling how uncomfortable Chris is during the party and and knowing that you are not the protagonist exactly you're on the other side usually like just as white people or that your family is like that and you've just never said anything or whatever like it's just again the scary thing about this movie for white people is oh my god am I racist (laughs) and also that's a good point also the fact that how real this feeling i mean this is me again as a white person speaking so take it mm-hmm. with a grain of salt but how scary how, how real this is that he doesn't leave until the very end mm-hmm. like being at that party is cringy it's brutal mm-hmm. and he's still there yeah 
you know so yeah of course as as you said the science fiction stuff is like the oh my god the 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 that's insane but to to stick around as long as he did in that discomfort is like wow that's that is crazy yeah i mean again and that's just something we as white people don't understand or deal with so who we relate to in the scene are the villains like Mm. he was saying in that clip which you know is is the truly terrifying thing about this movie nothing terrifies uh us more than having to look at ourselves is having to look inward oh man (laughs) i see a mirror i turn to the right it's no basketball i've had to do a lot of looking inward lately and i don't like what i see uh but you mentioned you mentioned uh, it's it's uncomfortable that he stays that long. So Jordan Peele has said in a lot of interviews that he the the title of this movie Get Out is you know in reference to what people yell at the screen when they know someone should get out. But it's also inspired by this Eddie Murphy bit, uh, which I didn't know about uh, white people in horror movies. Uh, and and you know the difference basically and uh i have a couple clips from this same interview as well is the title a reference to the richard pryor joke uh, 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 yeah a little bit you know, a little bit know the, can you mind telling people well the joke? I, you know i don't know if it's Pryor or eddie murphy i get their bits oh, I confused it was prior. It's, it's a lot okay. but i think the one you're talking about is like reference to the amityville horror oh yeah i thought that was prior. and it's like this idea of like a a, a move if, if a black person was the, the protagonist of a horror movie it would be a very short movie Leave. In the Amityville Horror, the ghost told them to get out the house. White people stayed in there. Now that's a hit and a half for your ass. A ghost say, get the fuck out. I would just tip the fuck out the door. They walked and looked in the toilet bowl. was blood in the toilet. They said, that's peculiar. I would have been in the house and said, oh, baby, this is beautiful. We got a chandelier hanging up here, kids outside playing. It's a beautiful neighborhood. We ain't got nothing to wear. I really love them. This is really nice. Too bad we can't stay, baby. It was, yeah. it was like, what happens when you uh, let a, a black person be the protagonist in a horror movie? And uh, it turns out you, you have a movie that um, has a, uh, a, a protagonist that is uh, aware that um, horror is going down. I think Jordan Peele handles him mixing up Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy very well in this clip where he's just like, I get those confused a lot too. I don't know whose bit is whose, but he clearly knows it's Eddie Murphy's bit, which I also played, um, which is so funny. And uh, yeah, the the idea that um, if you have a black protagonist, they're going to pick up on something fucked up happening more than a white person, I think makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're definitely, I, I would guess, more used to your uh, head being on a swivel. Mm-hmm. I also, I can't talk about what most horror movie protagonists do because I don't watch any. So when when they're talking about, you know, white people in horror movies uh, react this way or don't pick up on stuff, I'm like, I just don't know because I haven't seen very many. I'm like, the kids in It knew something was happening and no one believed them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, 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 it's not my genre, as I said. So uh, it, it, it definitely, he doesn't really pick up on, like, he, he thinks it's a little weird, but then Lil Rel's character, his, who's the comic relief, is the one who's like, get the fuck out of there. He's the one who's really like, yes. it takes, 
Daniel Kaluuya's character a minute to, to figure out what's going on. Right, right. That's true. Um, the, 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 the I voted for Obama scene that everybody references that I couldn't find a clip of, unfortunately. Um, again, just so perfectly calling out white liberals who are just like, I voted for Obama, so I'm perfect now. Uh, there was like a type of white liberal also that really is just like thinks they're an activist because they posted like one <laughs> like thing, like do this. And you're like, I did my job. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, I don't think any of those people think they're activists, though. I think they think they're like, and box checked. Like, we're fine. We don't have to do anything else. I think it depends. On really? The person. Yeah. You think there are people who think they're full on activists? I don't know if they use the word activist, but I think they're they're think they're doing the Lord's work. Some of them, yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I think those people are just trying to check a box and and whatever for appearances. Uh, it's that performative allyship uh, that you know. I think we've all been guilty of at one one point or another. Um, but yeah, the the I voted for Obama, or I would have voted a third time for obama that her dad tells him uh allison williams dad tells him uh at their house in an interview bradley whitford who plays allison williams dad stated that he initially thought that by the way i would have voted for obama for a third term if i could thought that that line was sincere and not a joke when he first read the script that's funny. That's so funny. Oh, my God. Man, you got to read the second half of this script. Oh, I know, right? That's so fun. But that's what I'm saying. I think that f that's what's so powerful about that part where you're going, like, he stayed during the party. It's like, yeah, that's just what, like, Daniel Kaluuya says that um, in a lot of interviews, too, where he said uh, he can relate to the party scene because it's just like, oh, I've been in that party. Mm. Uh I'm going to that party. Like that kind of racism that isn't seen as racism, it's seen as mainstream racism. It's just life. And to explore that is quite an uncomfortable conversation. And Jordan just spoke his truth. He cinematically articulated an experience that millions of people go through and they're actually made to feel crazy for going through that. But he just got to say, no, actually you're not crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's the first time his truth has not been an annoying use <laughs> that's right up there with my journey <laughs> uh but yeah that party scene is very uncomfortable and we oh should play God. a couple clips from that this is nielsen and elisa hey how you doing <laughs> so how handsome is he i'm are you handsome <laughs> oh not bad hey nielsen <sighs> so is it true? Is it better? Wow, wow. Wow! Fairer skin has been in favor for the past, what, couple of hundreds of years? But now the pendulum is swung back. Black is in fashion. Oh, so rough. It's a cringy scene. It's so cringy. Oh my gosh. When her dad goes, ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, oh yeah, God. it's uh, it's it reminds me of the story I was reading. So the Los Angeles Clippers had an owner, Donald Sterling, who was very racist and mm -hmm. got outed through some leaked uh, tapes. So he had to sell the team. Basically, I mean, still made like two billion dollars. The monster guy, but you know, glad he was canceled. <laughs> but you know, 
they say they would tell stories that he would used to go in the locker room and like in front of friends touch the players' muscles like they were like show horses or something like they were not human. Oh my god! Right, so it'd be like, look how strong he is, like stuff like that. Ugh. And it, it was the way he'd do it was the players later say, yeah, it was really creepy. And that's what this scene made me think of. Yeah, that's what it is with yeah. the first woman who starts feeling his arm. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. ugh, it's the worst. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, um, from what I've read, that Jordan Peele gave this group of people like a very uh, detailed backstory that some of which I don't even think we pick up on. Like, in the opening scene, when Jeremy abducts Andre, who's played by Lakeith Stanfield, who's the one uh, you hear in this clip, um, going, you know, I found the experience to be quite good. Uh, and that's not how he's talking in the first scene. And that's not how he's talking in the first scene because he's been abducted and his brain has been taken over by an older white person. Uh, we come to find out later. Also, the first thing I ever saw Lakeith Stanfield in, I think, because Sorry to Bother You came out, I think, the next year, which we I also had you watch. Maybe we'll do an episode about that. Another very um, uncomfortable racial movie. Oh, so uncomfortable. I mean... We almost did that one, but we watched it a while ago. I think we watched it back in like December. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe we'll rewatch it. I'm not sure. But in that opening scene, when he gets abducted, uh, the guy abducting him, whose name is Jeremy, I guess, makes sense. Uh, Jeremy sounds like such a <laughs> racist name. He's got a Knights Templar helmet, which is one small element of the backstory appeal gave to the Red Alchemist Society, the secretive group that comes together to bid on black bodies to inhabit. They believe they are destined for immortality and deity status, Peel said, and over hundreds of years they have worked to figure out through science a way to achieve the power of the Holy Grail. Wow. <laughs> It's just, it's just like, <laughs> anybody, anybody wearing a helmet <laughs> with something I don't understand on it. I don't a guy who them. misses the point of this movie. They can come up with that, but not a cure for COVID. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, there's so much. There's so many good clips in here. Um, another, another interview i watched uh was with allison williams and i think it's really interesting she talks about what um what people will will fans will come up and say to her about the movie mm -hmm. and whoo talk about cringy i mean yeah they'd say like she was hypnotized right and i'm like no she's just evil how hard is that to accept she's bad we give you so many ways to know that she's bad she has photos of people whose lives she ended behind her the minute she can she hangs them back up on the wall behind her that's so crazy yeah and they're still like but maybe she's also a victim i'm like no no and it's i will say that is 100 percent white people that say that to yeah. me i feel stupid now because <laughs> i thought she was a victim and oh my god everybody who liked her on girls was like she was hypnotized <laughs> if you liked allison williams character on girls you are part of the problem she is so insufferable i said that while we were watching the movie i was like it it's really a testament to how unlikable she was on girls that she's more likable in this movie <laughs> somehow granted the first half of this movie we think she might be cool <laughs> oh yeah they really they really play it up when they get pulled over in the beginning and she's talking to the cop like no how dare you and we're right. like all right maybe she's she's 
going a little overboard here with how angry she is. Right. But she also says in this interview with Seth Meyers that um, if you go back and watch the movie after having seen the ending, she goes, hopefully you'll notice that, you know, I'm always smiling kind of creepy and my reactions to things aren't like the same way you experienced it the first time you watched it. She was like, you realize there are different motives. Like she doesn't want him, the police officer to look at uh, Chris's ID because she doesn't want a paper trail of her basically abducting this guy. And you're like, Oh shit. Like mm. we, I didn't even pick up on that. I was like, Oh, she was just trying to prove that she was cool so that he would feel safe with her. But it wasn't even that it was like, no, you can't look at his ID. Like you can't, you know, it's just, it's just her protecting herself and her family who are going to do this horrible thing. So I thought that was very interesting. And also just the way, I mean, talk about creepy smiles, that last smile she gives at the end of the movie, that is maybe, you know, when he's about to kill her and we see that, that smile she gives, I was like, Oh my God, fucking kill her. Oh, I know. She's the worst. Oh my gosh. She's, I've never seen Allison Williams get cast as someone likable ever. Mm. I mean, she hasn't done a ton since girls. She did a movie called the perfection or perfection that I haven't seen. Cause it's another horror movie. And I'm like, I don't know. And it's like, it's like her fucking with, um, of a, a younger music prodigy because she was also like a, a a cellist when she was a kid and now she's like kind of aging but she was a prodigy and so it's like her fucking with this like new cello prodigy wow. like it's again it looks like the only Allison Williams could do it and I'm sure she's nice like I've never yeah. heard anyone in this business be like she's a bitch but like wow. for some reason I don't know if her face is too symmetrical or what but people are just like you play a bitch always. Interesting. That's a good point. And also, don't think is a bitch. Maybe a cello movie. That's like the only movie that sounds like it exposes white privilege more than get out. (laughs) You can play the cello. Um, yeah, I wonder who she is. The daughter of Brian Williams. And I'm sure it didn't help her when he went down for that big lie. Oh, right. I'm sure that didn't help her. They're like, Ooh, but you're Brian Williams daughter. We can't. It's not great. It's not great. Um, the, uh, arguably the easiest clip to find, uh, on YouTube of this was the sunken place scene, Mm. um, which is so good. And I think how Daniel Kaluuya got this part, um, Jordan Peele said that he auditioned with that scene five times and every time he had a single tear fall in the exact same place, like Oh my God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being that good an actor though, that you can squeeze out one tear at the, on the same line? After his heart. How about about after time four, you give him the part? Yes, seriously. You made him go in the fifth time. (laughs) At a certain point, he's just like, I just like watching you cry. I just don't like actors. He's like, I just want to see how many times you can do it. Let's go for Uh, the record. I feel like Denzel made that, the single teardrop famous in glory. Oh, I haven't seen he, it. Yeah, it's a that's a tough movie, and it, he has a teardrop just come one to come down. I remember being like, "Whoa, <laughs> that's acting!" One tear. 
<laughs> There's so much control oh in my one God. tear. It it's like, really a, it's like a strong person crying. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like I cry, I cry. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. That's how we all want to cry. <laughs> is the one perfect tear. I yeah. mean, he really he cries like a Disney princess. Yeah, it's it's true. Beautiful to watch. Uh, but yeah, this scene is so good with Allison Williams' therapist mother uh, putting him in Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener putting him in the sunken place. She was coming home. She wasn't home. From work? Mm. Mm. And what did you do? Nothing. Nothing? I just sat there. You didn't call anyone? No. Why not? I don't know. I just thought that if I did, make it real. Hmm. You're so scared. (sighs) You think it was your fault? How do you feel now? craziest part about this scene is um up until she says sink into the floor very similar to emdr really <laughs> oh my gosh yeah oh my god <laughs> were you i mean you have to put on headphones and there's like a there's like a beep at least this is when i did it i've heard there's also like tapping sometimes mm. they have you do like there's a couple different ways to do it but they basically a therapist like makes you remember the most traumatic experiences of your life in a way that it feels like you're there and uses like sound and these there's like when i did it i had like headphones on with beeping in each ear and then i had these things in my hands that would vibrate back and forth and uh it's very it's very similar where you're supposed to figure out like what this traumatic event from your childhood made you believe about yourself and about the world Mm. and then they help you like basically untangle that and and develop new beliefs that aren't as harmful to you so the first part where she's doing the tea tapping and she's going and how does a and you feel like this and this is where you're at if she had just you know gone a different direction and said but you know it's not your fault right like it's not your fault that you lost your mother like it's okay that you didn't do anything but it just goes like an evil direction it goes it goes south yeah this this therapist ain't going you're in you're in emdr i can't move just like that night at flappers comedy club (laughs) you can't move no you're right i can't believe you think i'm doing emdr on i don't know stand up i was trying to give a fun example i don't want to go dark this is how privileged you are that you think the worst thing that's happened to me in my childhood is a set okay well (laughs) uh, (laughs) i'm joking no but uh you know 
You're right. It does feel like there's, you know, they're bad, but there's a party that's like, maybe not, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. it does feel like, you know, shit, who knows? I don't think so, but. What do you mean? I mean, there's, you know what the movie is, you right? know, so you know that they're going to be bad. Right. But there's a part of you, you're right. They're like, this is okay up until a point. Right. I mean, you know what it is by right. this point. Right. I'm just saying if you watch that scene mm-hmm. and you didn't know what the movie was and maybe they played different music, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, this is just a therapist. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Um, so I thought that was interesting and something that I certainly hadn't thought about when I saw the movie a few years ago and hadn't done EMDR before. Uh, the, uh, the ending of this movie, I mean, is, do you know, have you seen the alternate ending, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So the fact that the alternate ending is him being arrested and put in prison and then instead of Laurel coming to rescue him, it's him speaking to him on the phone in prison going, okay, give me more details so and more names so we can figure out, you know, who we can, we can figure out what happened and f- get you out of here basically. And in that version of the ending, Daniel's character, Chris, just goes, it's okay. I can't remember, but I stopped it. I stopped it. And then goes back to jail and it is not uplifting at all it's bleak yeah there's not a lot of hope in it and i think you know it's a tough ending it makes the whole it kind of you're like what's the point of any of this right and it's a tough pill to swallow it also i mean there's scenes that are tough that stayed in i mean the scene where lil rel is trying to rescue him and he goes to the cops and they all kind of just laugh in his face when he tells him what happened you got to think there's some truth to that as a black person going to the cops. Right. So, but there's some truth to him just going to prison at true. the end of all that. I mean, I've seen, there's a lot of people um, in interviews or online or whatever, where it's like, oh, that's the more realistic ending. Sure. Than him being rescued and fine. And I, well, the first time I saw that movie, I think I, I thought that a little bit where I was like, but wait, what happens after this? I mean, is he going to get in trouble? Or are they going to trace back the deaths of these this family to him like he just drives off and it's fine like but again none of that is yeah it's just such a better ending to have his friend drive up rescue him and be so funny and have the best lines of the whole movie right at the end i mean i told you not to go in that house How you find me? I'm T.S. Motherfucking A. We handle shit. That's what we do. Consider this situation. Fucking handle. I mean, when he pulls up and you think it's the cops and his door opens and it says airport on the side. Yeah. Do you remember the cheers in the theater mm-hmm. when people realized and the huge laugh he got on, I told you not to go in that house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
The ultimate release of tension when yeah. you're just like you're out of breath from just watching him take out this whole family. Yeah. I mean, the amount of laughs going up to this, I mean, it's scary, but it's so fucked up that you're laughing at how fucked up it is. I mean, the the get him grandpa. Yeah. I mean, that was insane. Yeah. Grandpa is just a young black guy. I mean, it's so fucked up. Yeah, it's really fucked up. Or when she's on the phone with Lil Rel trying to like not seduce even, him? yeah trying to like seduce him and he just gets off the phone and goes she's a genius <laughs> so <laughs> she's funny. Good. and she's just totally like deadpan like i was impressed with her in that scene where she has no emotion on her face and she's just going what he's he's not home like just acting like so, so oh god she's so evil um yeah he said that tsa uh agents always recognize him <laughs> From that That's movie, hilarious. Which is hilarious. Well, how often do you see TSA agents look awesome on screen? Literally never. Yeah. That's why it's so funny. I mean, God. It's, it's funny so to good. like really take pride. And look, it is a tough job, but it's like one of those things where you're like, I've never seen someone be like, yeah, I'm the fucking TSA. <laughs> you never see someone like just gleefully in your face. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah. Jordan Peele said he wrote 200 drafts of this script before the final i don't know again we get all of this i get most of this from imdb trivia so who knows if that's true it sounds correct uh (laughs) at a vanity fair screening of the film jordan peele explained that he wrote the screenplay during the first term of former president obama when racism was believed to be a thing of the past he thought there wouldn't be much interest for this movie in such an optimistic climate so he wrote it mainly for himself with the increasing discussion regarding violence against african americans and the coming of the black lives matter movement in later years he knew the time was right to make the movie um, which I think is amazing. I mean, it. we were talking about this, I don't remember when, but like Obama was president when I was in high school and I remember... We get I, it, I'm a cradle robber. <laughs> shut up. I mean, I grew up in like a very white suburban city and the amount of credit that middle-aged white people give themselves for voting for Obama... Mm-hmm is insane where they're mm-hmm. like well i'm not racist i voted for obama and it's yeah. crazy that like it, it really did kind of feel that way in areas like that that people just thought well see the president's black so racism can't exist anymore mm-hmm. and a lot of people felt that way so i thought that was interesting yeah uh he also said he wrote get out not necessarily as something to get made i wrote it more as something that would be fun to write and something that would help me get better as an artist so there was no deadline i was giving myself now that i know this kind of movie works i can give it more purpose like i know that i can get it made so let's move forward with that goal in mind instead of it being this ongoing project that I don't know if anyone will ever see it. That's kind of sometimes when the best stuff gets made. Don't you feel like when people just go into it going, this is my passion project. Mm -hmm. No one's going to want it or nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's going to make it, but it'll be an exercise for me and it'll be fulfilling for me. And then those end up being some of the best projects that get made. Because it's, 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 something that they love and it's it's for them and that's a personal project and then when people want a sequel it's forced yes i mean it's it's as forces and it feels forced even the trailer you're just like so if there was get out too we'd be like 
Well, he was paid a lot of money. This wasn't because right. he wanted to do it. And that is a deadline. Yeah. I mean, who knows? If he had a good idea for the sequel, maybe it could be really good. I mean, I haven't seen Us because I was too scared. I saw it. But I heard, I know everything that happens and it sounds very good. Well, here's, it's not nearly as good as Get Out. And it, it's not a sequel, obviously. No, no. But it's, you know, another one with a lot of like commentary. It's got social commentary for sure, and that's why it was interesting, even yeah. though I didn't love the movie. It, it There's a lot to say, I think, about like economic and social inequality, and yeah. um, it's interesting. And he, the thing about Jordan Peele is that even though I didn't love Us, you, know, was, you feel like you're in the hands of a great filmmaker. It just looks beautiful. The music is great again. The There's one or two scenes that you're like, holy shit, that was amazing. It just mm-hmm. looked amazing. So... I'll see anything he does mm-hmm. at this point because he's just, I think it's just proven that he's a, a worthwhile director every time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chance the Rapper was so impressed by the movie that he bought all of the movie tickets from certain Chicago movie theaters just so people could go for free. Wow. In one of his tweets talking about the film, he says, just pull up with an ID and enjoy the movie. That's so cool. That is fun. I love that. Uh, and then there was also, did you, do you remember when people were doing that like get out challenge No. on Instagram? There was like some, they did it on the set of Black Panther um, with the like running towards the camera and stuff. You don't remember when they did that? I don't that? remember it. Well, it, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It doesn't matter. The people listening appreciate you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, Jordan Peele said that the scene where Walter is running at Chris and the audience at full speed is a nod toward the power of depth in films. He cited North by Northwest, which we've been meaning to watch, yeah. as an example of this technique, stating somebody running at you or towards you just creates a visceral and physical reaction for the audience. Yeah, that's a good point. Such a good good scene i mean it was in all the trailers and stuff like it it really does make you go like like you really tense up when he's running at him because it feels like he's running at you absolutely and and not only is it scary not only things like that scary in this movie but i have to say a lot of the violence is incredibly satisfying which not all movies can pull off like oh at the end oh my god he's taking everyone out all the armitages there are there are scenes where I I can't remember people cheering in a theater at murders. Right. You know you you know you made the villains pretty hateable when their head is getting bludgeoned in and people are like yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. When Allison Williams is dying in the street, people were so happy. Oh man. <laughs> well, she was the worst. She was the absolute worst. I mean, whew. yikes. But anyway. she was a victim. <laughs> and she could have she could have been brainwashed. We don't know. It was, know. you know, it's her dad. It's not her <laughs> fault. And, it, you know, we're all doing the best we can. Uh, yeah, so that's Get Out. I mean, I'm so glad we rewatched this. It's, that it's was going to so be good. my question. Are you glad you rewatched this? I'm so glad I rewatched yeah. this. It's, again, and I said this about um, Thelma and Louise, but any, and I guess I think he, he co-wrote Keanu before this, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like this is the first time he wrote a movie, but it's the first time he directed a movie. And any movie that is so, is this perfect, mm-hmm. and it's somebody's first time directing or writing or both, um, as an artist, it makes me feel so inspired and so creative. 
And I feel like the biggest obstacle to, you know, actors, writers, comedians, whoever, um, is our own self doubt and our own fears that what we make isn't going to be good enough. And being able to see people like Jordan Peele who like didn't, nobody expected him to do something like this. Like he was, you know, from Key and Peele, he was like a comedy guy. And so for him to go a direction like this, a movie that is very funny and ambitious, but it, yeah, ambitious, it's scary. It's smart. It's all these different things. And he's never directed before. And you just go, Oh wow. I just need to get out of my own way. A lot of the time. Like that, that's what, that's what stories like this make me. Not only that, but he refused to let himself be pigeonholed as, as just one type of guy. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a mature movie for a, a writer director his age. I mean, this is like a really thoughtful adult movie. Yeah, and it's like so creative. And again, anytime somebody again Thel- like Thelma and Louise being that screenwriter's first screenplay, mm-hmm. I think about that all the time now. Because to make to make that big an impact with something. Um, never having done that before even if even if you've written other things is just yeah it's crazy to hit a home run in your first major league at bat i mean it's it's not easy so yeah so yeah very cool and uh as i said i'll see anything he's done or he does in the future yeah um so what are we thinking for our next pick i was thinking we do another just because right now the theme of this podcast was one the other one hasn't seen but i think due to covid anxiety we're needing to watch movies that we've seen there's some some familiarity puts us at ease yeah and there's just something also to say about just an add-on for horror movies there's something about re-watching a horror movie that you're just like all right i can relax a little you're right oh my gosh right? that's the only time a horror movie is a comfort watch exactly when you're like i know allison williams is a bitch now <laughs> from the very first scene i know you're a bitch it's it's very true so let's i think the next pick is going to be a movie we've both seen mm-hmm. but that i think is really fun and and different and good and maybe don't make us want to do the sequels at some point later so my pick is christopher nolan's batman begins oh <sighs> Because I think it's, un- everyone talks about The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. but I think Batman Begins is a great movie. Yeah. I think it really changed the game for superhero movies where it felt like a gritty crime movie and not a superhero movie. So I'm I'm pumped to get into it. Next step. We're sorry we took so much time off. We enjoy doing this. There's a lot going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. We're all just doing our best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, again, very sorry. Uh, A lot of this was my fault, uh, how long it took. I was very stressed out about a lot of different things all at once. And uh, doing doing podcast episodes uh, felt felt distracting and there were plenty of times that sam was like let's record tonight and i was just like maybe in three weeks uh so i would like to personally apologize well Uh, take care of yourselves right now like make sure to take care of yourself there there are more important things in podcasts except for this one it's very important this is the most important rate and review us follow it on instagram this is important to me movie pod on instagram leave a, a nice rating and review and and stay safe. Please wear a mask. We're not trying to be preachy assholes here, but just just, just do it. Just what don't you don't you? you want this to end? Oh, we do. All right. Also, um, if 
you want us to stay together, make this podcast so successful that we can't break up. That's a good idea. For everybody who's like, did they break up? I'm so invested. If you really want us to stay together, make this podcast a huge hit so that we have to keep doing it. It's doing pretty well for the early stages. It, it is. I, it's I doing it, well. I think it's going to keep rising. And uh, yeah, this week, Get Out. Next week, Batman Begins. Hit us with some other comps. We have some ideas of what we're going to do after that. But mm -hmm. I'm psyched to get back into the movie game with you. You too. Thanks for listening, guys. You haven't seen this movie. Should have seen this movie. Why haven't you seen this movie? Watch it with me right now. Watch it with me right now.